0: Welcome to the Next Level Worship Podcast. I'm Dwayne Moore, and every week we try to bring you uh, different thought-provoking podcasts and interviews, and sometimes it's just me, but other times we we get to bring in other people and and have conversations. And and today, I I believe it's going to be a really important conversation for us with Dr. Desmond Hendry. Desmond, as I call him, I think I think a lot of people just call you Dez. I've noticed that. Dez is good, man. Dez works too, but uh, Desmond and I, we've known each other a long time, Desmond. Um, and, uh, and so I, I was thinking back on that. Um, my goodness, it, it could have been 15 to 20 years ago. I, I don't know how long it's been now, but, but I, it could have been 20 years. Now. But I know that when, when you were in Botswana, you and Laura yeah. – uh, we're in Botswana. You let me stay with you guys for a few days while I was at your church, Open Baptist Church,
1: there in Botswana. That's right. That's right. We kind of measure things in our life by before kids or after kids. So you, came, <laughs> that was before. you came before kids. <laughs> that was before
0: kids, it sure was. Yeah. Well, uh, but, but we've been able to you know, stay connected over the years somewhat. And, and you moved to uh, South Africa. Uh, and, and so just mm. want to take a few minutes and let you tell us a little bit about you and your history. And, and we've got some folks that want to know more about who you are. And then, and then and just for those listening, one of the things I, I ask the reason, one of the reasons that I want to ask Desmond to, uh, have a conversation with us is Desmond is a uh, part now of the Luis Palau organization, um, and, and has a, a broad scope of, of, of what is happening in the church in, in several countries and different parts of the world. And so I thought it might be a really good conversation to hear from you, Desmond, on your, your perspective on, on, on how we can reach this, this modern uh, secular society that we're in. I mean, it, it's, 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 a challenge yeah. for all of us. And, you know, so, so I think the conversation about that uh, we are worship leaders, a lot of us that are listening, uh, but it's worship leaders, We can't just stand up on a platform and sing and think our job is done. We have to find ways to reach out into the community and out into our world. And so that's what I thought we could talk about some today. Thank Uh, you. uh, Welcome, my friend. Well, talk to us and tell us about Desmond.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. It's so great to be able to be with you today on this podcast and to your listeners. Hey, greetings from South Africa, from the city of Johannesburg. Yeah. Um, I actually gave my life to the Lord in the city. I was a, a young kid, about seven years of age, standing on the sidewalk, uh, waiting for mother uh, in the in the shop, and a a big, bright, colorful, colorful bus came by, and the the bus driver stopped and said, "Hey, young man, don't you want to go to church?" And I've never been to church before, oh, really? so I, I kind of said, "Well, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's go to church." And asked my mom, "Hey, mom, can I go to church?" And she said, "Yes," and and that's how I came to church uh, through the bus ministry of oh, the Florida awesome. Baptist Church. Isn't that cool? That and cool. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord as, at a young age uh, at that ministry. And, uh, and then from then on, uh, you kind of drifted a bit in my high school years. And in uh, 1998, I remember clearly the Lord calling me back to Himself. And uh, I, I went forward and gave my life to the Lord, was baptized in 1998. And uh, from that very young age, the Lord gave me a scripture, Romans 15 and verse 20, where Paul says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I won't be building on anyone else's foundation. And that really has been the foundation of my life and my ministry from that point on. And so it's a a great joy for me to be able to serve the Lord uh, in the way that I do. And I I work for the Plough Association, as you mentioned. Uh, And I'm the director of the Global Network of Evangelists, uh, which uh, has been known as Next Generation Alliance for the last two decades. And we're transitioning that ministry into more of a a global feel while still being uh, very centered in in North America in in many ways. Uh, So it's a really exciting days for me. I've, I've served as a local church pastor uh, and actually went to Open Baptist in Botswana initially as their pastor of worship. Uh, and yeah. so that, that's pretty cool, worship and youth. And yeah, so it was worship such needs, a joy, yeah. joy to yeah. be able to connect with you and work with you in that beautiful uh, context. And so, uh, yeah, right now we get to serve evangelists. Uh, and uh, what we find is many pastors are also very gifted in evangelism, uh, and, and not just mission and evangelism pastors, even senior pastors. And so it's just a joy for me to be able to connect with uh, those who feel gifted in evangelism and, and kind of increase the temperature of evangelism right around the world. Yeah, and I'd like to hear a little bit
0: more about, um, uh, about. I realize you're still transitioning the, the, the title of yeah. this, or the name of it, but uh, what the vision of that is, and as a local church worker, leader, is there any way that we can... Find out about that, get involved with that. I mean, what, what's the perspective down to the to uh, the guys in the trenches in the churches, you know?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So uh, at the Palau Association, I mean, our, our highest calling is to proclaim the gospel. And uh, Luis Palau has faithfully proclaimed the gospel uh, for close on six decades. Uh, he's, he's an incredible man who God has used to reach. Uh, I think his preaching has kind of reached more than a billion people Uh, Around the world, which I think is phenomenal. That's so unique Uh, and uh, incredible, humble man uh, who served the Lord in this way. And and his son Andrew now is the primary evangelist at the the Plough Association. And he continues that. But uh, we've worked at proclaiming the gospel around the world, uh, uniting the church. And that's a big part of what we do, because you can't have moments of gospel proclamation uh, if you don't bring the church together. And so we work really hard at uniting the church in in different cities, particularly that we're having a festival in, bring city leaders together, uh, local leaders, uh, civic leaders, community leaders, uh, so that we can really have a, a deep impact within that particular city that we're working in. Uh, wow. And uh, and so we proclaim the gospel, we unite the church, uh, and we, we aim at impacting cities worldwide. And so the Plough Association is located in all places uh, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, so Portland is, is known to be radical, progressive, liberal, writers. It's a crazy, crazy city. They have, uh, for instance, the world's largest, if not only, naked bike ride each year. <laughs> Can you imagine I did not that? know that. No, know <laughs> fun fun facts about Portland, right? Uh, okay. In fact, uh, the, even their water is not chlorinated, and you could win or lose on an election based on that alone, which is unique in the context uh, of 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 the USA. And uh, the Lord has used the Plow team uh, to really bring about an amazing change in uh, the city of Portland. Uh, probably about ten years ago now, they had a festival in Portland. And they started to ask the question, you know, how how are we as churches uh, really impacting the city in a meaningful way? And so they came together, a number of different pastors, and uh, they said, well, you know, let's go and visit the uh, the mayor's office. And let's see what uh, the mayor would want from us in terms of churches in the community. And uh, the mayor was very, obviously, very skeptical. Uh, He was a very openly gay mayor at that time. Uh, and very skeptical about well, what are these churches going to do? And uh, so the churches came along and they they worked in the school system uh, where they would go in. And one of the best known cases is Roosevelt High School in Portland, where they went in and they revamped the school and tried to help uh, really impact communities wow. that, that were struggling there. Uh, more than that, even the foster care system uh, has been impacted by the church. In, in fact, now, uh, years later, uh, you actually have to go through a church based uh, portal uh, if you're going to have any foster, uh, if you're going to foster a child in Portland. Uh, really? From, from now on out. So it's been an amazing impact yeah. that the local church has had. Wow, that is and huge. So, Especially in that area, I would think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, this is far from the Bible belts in the south, uh, it is. close to where you are there, I think, uh, Duane. Yeah. But we've had meaningful impact in the city, and, and we've seen churches gather together on a regular basis, and uh, and so it's, it's a joy to be able to be a part of an association that, that has got this credibility and uh, that is seeing real fruit uh, in ministry. Yeah, I remember the uh, Portland
0: Festival uh, from, I mean, I don't know how many years they did that, but I remember it, yeah. I, I feel like, from 15 years ago. I mean, I don't know, just right. watching watching videos of what they were doing there and, and thousands, thousands of people coming to those. Um, one of the things that, that I remember stood out to me when we were we were actually trained when I was with Scott Dawson Association. I traveled with Scott and was on his team for several years and 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 as you know, Desmond uh, yeah. we were invited to be one of the charter members of uh, the Next Generation Alliance <laughs> uh, 20 years yeah. ago when we were young, <laughs> okay. And um, <laughs> we were actually part of that next generation. And uh, and, and, and the Louis Plough, the Plough organization helped us so much That's, back yeah. then. And, and, I, and I, we, Scott and I were just so grateful for what you guys did for us even back then. But we were also trained by the Billy Graham Association back at the time And they Mm -hmm. allowed us to come in to some of their – well, three or four that I remember festivals or crusades, as they may have been calling them still. And I remember particularly like in Pittsburgh and and, and a couple other places that we went behind the scenes. And one of the things that Tom Phillips and some of those guys were telling us back then uh, that stood out to me is that – and I remember Tom sitting there and saying this, and it's like, wow – that they at the time were investing about 30% of their huge million, multi multi-million dollar budget, 30% wow. was going toward trying to get churches. As he put it now, I'm just putting, as he said it back then, to get, to actually get churches to talk to each other, right? Just to, <laughs> just, you know, to bring unity among the body enough to bring them together, to do, a, do a, a crusade or a festival, whatever the title is now. Oh, are you seeing that still? I mean, mean, you don't have to give a percentage, uh, it's not about that. Just the point is, does it really take that much energy and and effort and financial support to try to get churches to
1: to talk to each other?
0: I mean, is that still the case?
1: Yeah, I I think, generally speaking, it, it does take a lot of resources and willpower to bring pastors and churches together, for sure. Uh, I mean, at the plow association we 've uh, got a, a, a work called city Gospel movement that uh, that, that works specifically in the, in the, the, the city gospel movement space with churches and church leaders and pastors and so typically after a festival, uh, we want to see continued sustainable fruit. So we don't want to just come into a city and have a, a big big festival where yeah. thousands of people get saved and then leave, right? I mean, right. what's the point of that? Right. And so we've established what we call evangelism teams in cities, uh, which uh, are, who are comprised of city leaders, um, pastors. They meet basically, you know, three or four times a year, and, and they just speak about how they can keep evangelism at the forefront front of ministry within that city oh wow that's awesome and so that's that's been a wonderful tool that that we've utilized but but you're right you're so right i think far too many times our churches are divided in many ways along many many lines theological lines i mean denominational lines racial lines too right i mean sunday is the most divided hour uh, (laughs) right across america right And so we have to work against that. And so uniting the church is such a a pivotal part of of what we're called to do um, Mm -hmm. that that we we do invest a significant amount of our time in doing that. In fact, probably 18 months before an actual festival happens with any given city, we work at uniting the church, bringing the church together, because you cannot see revival. You can't see what, you know, what God could do in the life Mm -hmm. of the city without churches coming together and being united in any real way and that's and what it's so very important
0: that's what they taught us at, at this Graham association It's what the Plow organization also yeah. demonstrated to us and taught us um and so I, it's so refreshing to hear you talking like that as well uh these several years later because yeah it still it still comes down to the local churches that are there that are there after we leave you know this right. is their jerusalem and 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 we come in. I say we being uh, an evangelist or, or a representative that just walk comes there in is. in our ministry. <clears throat> excuse me, at next level worship. Um, we come in uh, to an area, whether it be in the United States, uh, like just here in, next month in August, we'll be in Wyoming and also in New Mexico, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know coming in to to do ministry for a week or whatever, and we're, then we're going to leave. I mean. We're going to go back to Alabama or, wherever, or South Carolina wherever we are, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they are going to remain, and and so our situation, for example, in New Mexico, uh, is that we had planned uh, as of, I mean, uh, a year ago. The, the we'd been planning this for a while now to do back there in Bible clubs and communities. Uh, they they wanted us to do a tent revival. I, I had not done one of those in years, but that's what they requested wow. in this, this resort town, beautiful ski resort town of New Mexico, where no one ever comes to help them. I'm just quoting the hmm. local pastors. So we said, okay, let's go do that. And we planned it. Well, now with COVID-19 and all the things going on, the mayor, who is a Christian, she's a wonderful yeah. lady, I've been told, supportive of all we're doing. But she said, you know, with everything going on, she hadn't said no, but she's not re-encouraging it anymore okay so now we could do one of two things we could just go well we're gonna go anyway we're gonna do it or we could go why don't we go be sensitive to that to the local leadership who has to live there (laughs) after we're gone (laughs) the local pastors and and with the idea of coming in later and so because i'll say this desmond we've seen this happen we've we've followed the evangelists that did that we followed people that just came in and kind of bull their way through and said, we don't care, we're oh, going to do it anyway. And what it did on Longland, it closed doors for us. You know, exactly. that, that uh, mayor you mentioned that was so reluctant. Well, the way you guys approached it with such grace and, uh, and you, you did it in a way that, that honored his, you know, not, not the person, but his, his position clearly yeah. did something that got them to begin to trust you. That is huge and it opens doors for you much, much longer than just for the moment.
1: Absolutely, and I think one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, globally that evangelism and evangelists generally have a bad rep is exactly because of that mentality. like, get out my way, I'm coming, I'm gonna solve all your problems, we're gonna bring revival with us, and that optimism is wonderful. Evangelists are incredibly optimistic, passionate people, driven people very often, Uh, But we also encourage our evangelists very often, well, all the time, really, that you have to work with a local church. You've got to be rooted in the local church. And so if you're a pastor listening to this podcast, be sure to include uh, evangelists that are among you in in your prayer meetings, in your accountability structure. Uh, It's very important that they remain accountable to their local church, I believe. And Luis Palau, who served as an international evangelist for, for most of his life, Uh, has been an elder at Cedar Mill Bible Church in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, And he served there faithfully for decades and decades while serving a much broader role right across the world in evangelism. And so there is definitely a case that we have to see both local church and evangelists and evangelistic associations working together so that the kingdom of God would uh, see a greater impact in our cities and in our communities. We can't do it without working together for sure.
0: Well, I appreciate you. Um, you know, I love this conversation. I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. I was, and the book hasn't actually come out yet, but Dr. Al Mohler's uh, new book, "The Gathering Storm," um, is coming out next week, and I'm excited about that. And, and but I was listening to uh, he sent out a a promo part. Yeah. I mean, he didn't do it, but his publisher, I'm sure, sent out a a, a promotional email.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I was
0: yeah. listening to that of his, of his audio recording of it. So I want to I read a, a quote from that, uh, which I think is really, really a powerful quote that I, I just thought, well, this might be good to bring up. Uh, the storm that is now gathering strength is what he calls moral liberalism. It's, it's, it's something that's advanced, if that's the word, or maybe gone backwards, beyond classical liberalism. He said that's phasing out. He said this is moral liberalism, which cannot be explained without the de-Christianization of society.
1: Mm-hmm. Moral
0: mm-hmm. liberalism has become the dominant um, moral commitment of the most influential sectors of a modern society. He gives examples of, of um, uh, the tech The the tech world, especially out in California, places like that and others in political realms. And he was talking about America primarily. But I think this applies in other parts of the world. Um, Do Christians, now here's this question. Do Christians believe enough biblical truth to withstand the moral liberalism of the age? Cultural forms of Christianity have been largely de-Christianized. Nominal Christianity is fast disappearing. And are we ready to be enemies of the regime? Wow. Sure.
1: Hmm. So are we ready? You know? Wow. Yeah. That's a hard hitting quote. And I think, uh, I think as local churches, we we have to, we have to engage in these discussions and we've got to be mindful of these things because, you know, it's so easy for us to kind of get stuck in our context. Uh, And uh, we're so busy serving our people. I mean, being a pastor, I've heard it said even to me a few times, like, hey, hey, pastor, I pay your salary, so you better do what I ask of you, right? And, and there's this pressure that builds up as, as those who serve in ministry. And I think now more than ever during this COVID-19 time, uh, pastors are feeling this tremendous pressure. Culture is placing a lot of pressure on us normally anyway. Uh, and so as local churches for many years, we've been speaking about being more missional and mission-minded. Uh, and the evangelists have been saying, hey, let's, let's, be, let's be the proclaimers of good news. Uh, and so we, we have to engage in society. We have to engage with people in the world that we live in, because most people have a secular worldview. I think Al's got a really great point there, that the world we live in uh, has changed tremendously uh, over the last decade uh, to become something that, that we are wholly Unfamiliar with as Christians, particularly completely should, yeah, unfamiliar, comfortable with.
0: with. I mean, it's um, I mean, it's it's unsettling, and that that that's to put it mildly. Right. Uh, and so the temptation. I, I remember Miss um, Mariah, Miss Mariah was her, her, her was her name. And uh, when I was growing up, and 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 and, and then I began to became a part time youth leader over this group at my church. And because uh, nobody else would do it, so I right. elected me. So I was I was the guy. So I remember we went over to Miss Mariah's to help her, you know, clean up her house. She's an elderly lady. Right. And just clean up around her house and do some work for Miss Mariah never got out. So I remember sitting on the front porch with her talking to her while we were there. And and I said, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that you've never come out of your house? And she said, She said, uh Years ago, I saw the world getting really bad, she said, and I just decided I would draw in. She said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be infected by the world. And I thought, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really sure that that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to say that to this elderly lady sitting on her front porch. But later, I had a conversation with our, our students. And I said, guys, I, I, I love Ms. Mariah, and I'm glad we got to help her a bit. That's yeah. that's that's not the answer, you know, when it says in the world, but not of the world. And she quoted that. It's like, yeah, I think you're misquoting that because that's <laughs> not the idea, right? I mean, we, right. as much as I want to run away from this, I don't think we have that option.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, Paul frames our, our life very clearly that we are citizens not of earth, but of the kingdom of heaven, right? And so we're exiles here. Yeah, this is not our home. And we need to be mindful of the fact that we're, in, we're at war. Uh, the, the, the life that we live as exiles is, is lived in war. Um, we're fighting an enemy. And we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, and principalities of this world. And, and we're seeing that right now in the polarization in our, in our churches. We're seeing this in, in hate speech online. Uh, we're seeing this in the way we, um, we treat one another Uh, when we differ theologically or in different kind of ways. And so we've got to be so cautious now how we live as holy people uh, because God is a holy God. And so we must be mindful of that. And again, we are people of the word. We're not people uh, defined by anything else except God's word and Christ himself. And John 17 reminds us, Jesus says, you know, your word is truth. And we must be people of the word and people who are witnesses at the same time.
0: I think um I think a a, a major shift has happened, and this is something he also alluded well he almost basically says in that quote. It's right. only about a five minute quote that he shares uh in this gathering yeah. storm quote, but you know, he said now it, it's it's no longer accepted even. Uh, to you know, one time to to be a part of the First Baptist Church or whatever was 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 a status yeah. thing. Well, not now. Right. That, that's that's changed. And and I, changed. I don't know where I heard this, and and, and I don't know, but I, I heard this uh, over the past few months that college students when now when they bring it up, they even mention anything that might associate them with, with church or religious, uh, especially Christianity. That, that, right. that it, can, it can separate them from friends. Uh, it can cause them to be perceived as, as haters. Uh, this is the world that we are finding ourselves in. And so while we are not to be of the world, we are in yeah, that yeah. world. And, and so don't we have an obligation still to be the light to the world? Uh, but in doing so, we are chancing it. It's no longer comfortable. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as you would say, you know, we've lost the home field advantage, right? We're, yeah. we're not in Kansas anymore. Everything everything yeah, has it. changed. Yeah. Everything has shifted under our feet. and it's, I can imagine, I mean, how hard it must be. I've I've passed, been an interim pastor of a local church in Johannesburg uh, for the last uh, five or six years. Um, and so I, I know what you feel like, because even for me, and I'm serving in a bivocational role, I felt that pressure. Uh, the world is changing culture is changing uh, to be a Christian is not something that we aspire towards uh, in, in fact our culture in Johannesburg has become increasingly secular um, and, and antagonistic to the gospel uh, to, to the point that you know it, it feels you know unwelcome for you to even bring up the name of Christ uh, in any kind of conversation. And so we've got to be wise about how we live in these days, but we shouldn't be fearful as God's people. Uh, And so ultimately, uh, we we ought to be worshipers who witness. We ought to be worshipers who witness so that others may come to worship and witness. I I love how the psalmist puts it constantly, you know, uh, the Lord reigns, therefore let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. That's right, right. Yeah. our relationship with God, our worship of God should inspire our witness for God within mm-hmm. our neighborhoods and our communities. And as you say, with the light and salt, the world needs us now more than it ever did before, and we mustn't shrink back. I mean, in Paul's day, there was persecution, in Paul's day, there was resistance. I mean, he was beaten <laughs> a number of times. He went through all kinds of difficulties, but he endured because of the gospel's sake. And so I think, uh, you know, we've we've come from a place, I guess, where Christianity and culture has been so closely interwoven that it becomes very problematic for people to see a difference. To give you an idea, um, in in Africa, where, where I am right now, spent my whole life in South Africa and Botswana mainly. Uh, in some, in some, among some of the black folk here, uh, in, in large parts of Africa, missionaries have become problematic. And so we would refer to the great missionary era in missiology, where we speak about how many, many people came to know the Lord, and Africa became a Christian continent and no longer the dark continent. Well, that may be true in many ways, uh, but it was very, very hard for a local indigenous people in Africa to separate Christianity from colonialism. Desmond Tutu, who's an Anglican archbishop, he was uh, one of the the sort of outspoken heroes uh, of apartheid in South Africa who spoke out against the injustice of our system. And he put it this way, maybe just to frame it. He said, uh, when missionaries came to Africa, uh, they had the Bible and we had the land. They said to us, let's pray, close your eyes. When he said, when we opened our eyes, we had the Bible and they had the land. And so when you, when you come to Africa and you try and witness for Jesus, wow. there is that element that you've got to work against. You know, Christianity is not a white man's religion. Uh It, it is. I mean, Jesus was not a white man. He was a, a Jewish man, a middle of Middle Eastern descent. Right. And yeah. so, We've got to be so careful to separate the cultural from the the biblical. And and we've become so challenged by that. And I mean, even think about the 4th of July for a moment uh, and and how challenging that can be. Uh, We've got to be so cautious that, you know, we we, we have our priorities right. It is God and his kingdom first and everything else is secondary to that. Uh, But it's tough. I mean, worship wars in church contexts, have started based on preferences, not even based on theology, right? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well said. Uh, There's a
0: couple of things that we talked about. We had a meeting yesterday with uh, several key trusted leaders uh, in different countries, just trying to get a sense of whether they need our kind of ministry where they are. We're not trying to invite ourselves. Again, we learned it from the Palau organization. We learned it from the Graham organization. You don't go where there's, you know, where there's no burden, there's no bother. Right. And uh, where there's no invitation, you don't need to go. I mean, we learned that all the way back from Paul, you know, uh, that, you know, it's important that we be invited, the Macedonia call, so to speak. So so we had this meeting. Uh, for a few hours just to discuss the possibilities, kind of some dreams. And, and we gave him some non-negotiables, and a couple of those for us is that it needs to be multi-denominational. Now, that's within the framework of, and it, within the parameters, I should say, uh, of the gospel. I mean, it's got to be uh, yeah. e- evangelical. It might be a word we could use there, but, but it's got to be Jesus is the only way. And, and the Bible yeah. is infallible. You know, there, there's some parameters with that. But, but if, if we're good with those things, hey, let's work together. Let's partner. Let's do this. Yeah. And the other thing for us uh, uh, it, it is non-negotiable really is, um, is that, that we honor the, the local culture. Because like yes. you said, uh, we have seen this in being in Africa many times. Oh, there's a lot that, that, that they, they, don't, they, they don't always trust us real quickly because I guess they've been exposed to some things. So, yes. so we have to let them know we're not, here to, we're not here to push our ideas of culture on you. In fact, we're not there to change their style of worship, for example, their style of music. I love it. You know. I just want to make sure that they know why they're doing it down inside. So we, we, yes. we look at more the why and the principles behind it biblically. Uh, and uh, we earn, I think, earn the trust over time. And I would yeah. say that even with my neighbor, I mean, I'm trying to, we just moved into this neighborhood very recently, a couple months ago. So yeah. we're trying to get to know them, uh, mm-hmm. kind of earning the opportunity to be a witness to them. And I think right. sometimes in this society, we need to do that.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I think friendship first, right? Friendship is such an important thing. Uh, and one thing I love about, about you, Dwayne, I mean, I've known you for close on two decades, it seems. And, and we're, we're friends. We have these conversations. Uh, you're open. You're honest. Um, you're not running away. You're not going anywhere. And I think one of the great principle of, of mission partnership, uh, and it seems to be speaking to local church pastors and even worship leaders who may want to commit to your coaching ministry. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more powerful than someone coming alongside another to encourage, inspire, and equip Uh for works of service. Uh, Paul encourages that in, in, in Ephesians 4. You know, God has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, all for the equipping of the church, right? And so, Pastor, you shouldn't be doing all the work yourself. We're called to equip others, give them all that they need so that they can multiply themselves. And uh, you've been a great equipper over the years. And, and that is a wonderful, wonderful gift and tool that I think will help many people, not only in Africa, but right around the world, go further. Because we all, let's face it, we all need a Barnabas. We all need someone to come alongside and encourage us, right? We all need a Paul, someone who could mentor us and, and pour into our lives. Uh, we, we all need these relationships. And, and isn't that key? Relationships and mission. And, and that's what Next Level Worship International is all about, these relationships. Uh, and uh, I've been grateful for relationships that outside of my context that have been tremendously helpful in, um, in lifting me up, in mentoring me, in helping me to grow and develop as a, a person. And, and that's what we, we do at Global Network of Evangelists as well. Uh, we, we are there to inspire, to encourage, to equip. Uh, we, we don't want any evangelist to say, I wanna quit. Uh, because things are so hard, we want to we want to help people to go further. And isn't that such a joy and honor that we get to serve in that way, Dwayne? Cool? No, it's it's man, yeah. I mean, I I'm,
0: every day I not every day. Some days it feels like a you know it feels like a job. Some days but, are tough. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, but it does. But but most days I'm like, yeah. really, I get, I get to do this. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's an honor, man. It really is. Oh, other days I go, what am I doing? You know, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, God, God is faithful and gracious. Hey, thank you for the time today. I know that you have just sold your house. I, I think I've yes. I read that you just sold yes, your house. Yes, 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 we have, and, praise the Lord. Yeah, that was a big prayer request and prayer uh, answered there. So what's, uh, what's the near future hold for you guys as a family? What, what do you think? Hmm. You's, you got to live somewhere. So if you sold a house, you must have something else in mind. So tell yeah. us about
1: that. Well, well, we're probably gonna be renting in South Africa um, okay. for a little while until we make the, the move to Portland eventually. Moving to Portland, okay. All right. So cool. that's that's the end goal, but uh, awesome. you know, with all of this crazy COVID-19 stuff and sure. all of that's gonna take it a little time for us oh to God. get there. But we're looking forward to, I mean, while I'm here, it's been great. It's easier to kind of communicate and travel from here often than it is from Portland. I mean, Portland is so far away from, well, I mean, just about anything, right? <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. It, <laughs> it South is Africa, a, it, actually, you're place. in
0: a really good hub there in Johannesburg to to reach a lot of people. So I can understand why you're not in a big hurry to yeah. you get over to Portland. I, I get that. But uh, but that is the the hub of, of the Palau organization, so that's where you ultimately need to be, I guess. But
1: uh, yeah, Man, absolutely. listen,
0: it's uh, it's been great talking to you today. Um, thank you for the time.
1: Thank you, Dwayne. I so
0: appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, you got some precious daughters, and every time I see a picture, they just look like they're growing up on you there quickly. But um, oh, man. three, I'm you. You, you're three blessed. daughters, three daughters, and <laughs> and then your wife. So you are very outnumbered uh, in your household.
1: But, uh, I am, and they they all have very high word limits. They speak so many <laughs> words every day. <laughs> And as a dad, I have to learn to multitask, got to listen to all three of the kids at the same time and listen to my wife. I mean, that's hard work, right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, you guys um, took, took me to this really
0: cool place to eat. I can't remember the name of it, but it's their favorite place. And they make the pizzas yeah. and, and you order and they watch, you watch them make the pizza. So you guys go eat a pizza uh, and, and think of me because I would love to come back and hang with you guys again sometime. So well, you're favorite,
1: always welcome, brother, anytime. All cool
0: things is I just love your family and love what you're doing there and, and what you're doing with the Balao organization now. Let me pray for you, okay? Thank you. And, uh, and then um, I know you're a busy guy, so we'll let you go after that. But again, this time has been very, very helpful. And I know those that listen to it have enjoyed it. But let me pray for you. Father, I pray for uh, Desmond and Laura and their, and their daughters, I pray for their family. I God, I thank you for the ministry that you've given to them, not only with their family, which is ultimately the most important ministry they have in raising those daughters to be godly daughters that follow you, but also, Lord, the ministry they have right there in their church. I've been able to be in their church there in, in Joburg and, and and just watch the phenomenal ministry they've got there. And, and uh, I know that we'll come to a close at some point when they move away, but I know that God, it's been a blessing to so many people. And I, I I got to be a part of their ministry even back nearly two decade, decades ago at Open Baptist in Botswana and uh, Javarone, and to see the way you've used them over the years. It's awesome. And now to be a part of um, the Luis Palau organization that's now uh, really becoming more and more led by Andrew, and, and God, it's just awesome to see the the. The torch being passed uh, to uh, uh, this next generation within the Palau organization, but also the way uh, under Dr. Desmond Henry's leadership, uh, I I believe the sky is literally uh, not the limit uh, for where you um, you will take this organization of the global network of advances, I think you referred to it as and so god uh there's a great need to encourage evangelists. This is not a day to that that evangelism is popular or or easy mm-hmm. it hadn't been easy or popular for a long time, but it's certainly not now um, no one's lining up to be beaten as he mentioned and mm-hmm. that Paul was no one's lining up to wonder where they're going how they're going to get a a paycheck uh because that's that that's what comes along with evangelism the potential of, of rejection the potential of Uh, of difficulties uh, with their families. It's not a a profession that that most would uh, aspire to. But Lord, what a great, great need there is. I thank you, God, for Scott Dawson. I thank God for Scott, that he stayed faithful over the years. I've seen him stay faithful, Uh, even when so many other evangelists um, no longer were in evangelism. Scott stayed the course. And God, I, I thank you for men like that. And I thank you for Desmond and, and, and Andrew and the guys that are leading this organization that are um, encouraging the evangelists to the world. And so we pray for them. We pray God for strength. We pray for provisions financially for, for them. Uh, I know they have to raise their funds and God, we pray for them that you provide for them. Provide for them. Lord. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and, and God, uh, you said ask. And we shall receive, seek and we shall find, knock and the door will be open. And so, God, we we pray that over them, that that doors would be open that no one can shut. And uh, we pray that over their ministry and over their organization. And pray that for next level worship, God, is really the churches, the people listening, and, and the pastors listening right now, the worship leaders. We pray for them in their local churches that they would be encouraged, that they're out there in the trenches where it is very discouraging. It feels very lonely sometimes. Um, Even their own church members don't seem to be (laughs) encouraging them and pulling for them. So God, we pray for them right now, that they would be encouraged that you were, as, as Desmond reminded us, you are reigning the Lord reigns and God, we choose to focus on you today. We love you. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I so appreciate that. Oh man. Thank you. Thank you again for the time, and uh, we look forward to some updates from you along the way. Um, I really, really believe that uh, you are in this time, in this place for as uh, such a time as this. So I'm very encouraged Amen. by by that, and I'm so thankful for you. And so, hopefully, uh, we if we come back through South Africa. You know, we we fly through there sometimes on the way yeah, to yeah. other places. We we were able to speak at Baptist Theological College where you worked for for a few years and and you had us there. We got to come hang out with your family and your church. So if we're coming back through there before you move to Portland, we're going to say hello again. All right.
1: I look forward to that. I'll hold you to that.
0: (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all the listeners today. Thank you guys. God bless you.